my gosh. They have the exact coordinates of <laughs> the where no, their they're like, let us, let us show you our home. And then there's like a map. What kind of accent was that? I don't an know. Little gray one. men one. I don't know. Here, you do an alien accent. Candace? <laughs> That's what I did. Indistinguishable. Yeah. Um, the, it was a little Hello, and welcome to the Inconclusive Podcast, where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up inconclusive. My name is James. My name is Abigail. And my name is Candace. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Inconclusive Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or email us at theinconclusivepodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily reflect those of our employer. Okay, okay let's, let's begin. Hello, listeners. Welcome to part two of our alien episode. Before we begin, um, here's a quick recap of what we where the conversation oh, left the, off the last week. One. My, my <laughs> personal favorite out of all of this is it is a picture of of the moon and then of Saturn. And on the moon, it says moon in the sky. And then it says Saturn in background. And then it says moon where I stood. And that is my personal favorite. Wait, does that mean they're the on The person was standing Titan? on the moon. no. But not the moon, because one of the that's Saturn's too far. Moons. One of Saturn's moons. It okay. doesn't have a name for it. Okay. They only knew the alien name for the moon, and they weren't sure how to transliterate it into, like, English. Oh, this is, that's a moon my. That's... Oh, my. That's, that's messed it's up. Clear, documented yeah. evidence. It's clear. Documented it's, evidence. It's definitely not in red and blue Crayola marker. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Also, what kind of person do you think goes to UFO conventions? Would you have gone to a UFO convention? Yes. Of course that I would. That answers my question. Okay. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't Clearly feel, talented I feel like, artists. <laughs> I, I and with that is the end of <laughs> part one. And now on to part two. Are you ready for reason number six? Yes. Okay. Mm, yeah. Hundred percent. Reason number six. Oh, oh no. Lord. <laughs> that <Abigail's> space. <laughs> cannot. Okay. That asteroid looks an awful lot like a rocket ship. Oh, uh, what? For science-minded SETI freaks. <laughs> what? You've <laughs> got to be kidding me. <laughs> this last Things decade has always been what they seem. A particularly exciting one. We may have just seen an actual flying saucer. How does an asteroid look like a saucer? It's an asteroid. It's a rock. It's glowing and fiery and shooting through the sky, Candace. <laughs> Obviously, if anyone has any imagination, it's either a flying saucer or China. <laughs> I feel like that one's a little more likely. When Oumuamua, this name means first messenger in Hawaiian, was discovered floating through the solar system in October... This is of 2018. SETI nets immediately started checking the boxes that suggested the rod-shaped object might be an alien spacecraft of some kind. After all, the first interstellar object we've seen pass through the solar system. UFO enthusiasts point out that rods, along with flying saucers, are the two most common shapes sighted by witnesses in UFO sightings. Whoa, wait, wait, back up. You said the first interstellar object we've seen in the solar system. Don't we see meteors all the time pass, pa go, go by our atmosphere? Why is it the first? 
I don't know. It says pass through the solar system. So I wonder if there's something distinct about passing like through the the solar system rather than like orbiting in the solar system. Because usually like meteors and all of that, they go around. Right. They get They're orbiting around the sun. Mm. Yeah. At a different trajectory. the first one that's big enough that it was... Didn't get I guess so, yeah, I guess so. Pull. I mean, that's pretty significant. That is, yeah, that's, a that's pretty asteroid. significant. Um, so they say the cigar shape would allow it to be slim enough to avoid collision with other objects as well as maximize aerodynamics for travel. Both the SETI Institute and the Breakthrough Listen Initiative pointed their instruments towards the object but found no unusual signals emitting. F- Emitting. No unusual signals emitting from it. Of course, maybe it's just an ancient relic from interstellar civilization, <laughs> or maybe aliens just weren't interested in making contact. That asteroidness could have just been camouflage. With the object on its way out of the solar system, we may never know. I think I'm going to go back to the camp of that representative from Congress that was seeing a <laughs> raccoon in his trash can and he thought, you know, that's a, a raccoon. UFO. He was being chased could've by been, aliens. It could have been a UFO disguised as a raccoon <laughs> hanging out in the trash can, which is a disguise for the alien base. You know what, though? If it really was an alien or a raccoon disguised as an alien or an alien disguised as a raccoon, raccoon, that's a huge amount of money to just throw at a raccoon problem. But it's an alien disguised million. as a raccoon. Well, if it was an alien disguised as a raccoon, that I would mean, be a I mean, the government has thrown more money at smaller problems. Fair. The government has thrown a lot of money at very dumb things. That's <laughs> true. Reason number seven. These masters of the universe are obsessed. <laughs> what? <laughs> Please explain. Please These explain. masters of the universe are obsessed with aliens. Okay? So we have Robert Bigelow. As a child... He, bro, watched, just because someone's obsessed with okay, whatever. Okay, continue. Sorry. He watched government test a bombs from his bedroom window. That'd be like if Jeff Bezos believed in aliens, and we took that as credence. How would you feel? Jeff Bezos is not a master of the universe. Elon Musk believes in aliens. However, he is a master of the universe. <laughs> he also doesn't sleep. He sleeps like five hours a night, four hours a night. He's like Edison, because of. The alien technology. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So as a child, Bigelow watched government test atomic bombs from his bedroom window, and he and his classmates could see the mushroom clouds blooming over the Mojave Desert from their school playground. Wait, I have an Elon Musk joke. Elon Musk is Elon Musk is next. Musk, you tell us this. Can oh. you hold okay, off I'll, until I'll I'm done off. reading this okay, paragraph? To <laughs> some, such memories are the stuff of dystopic Cold War hellscapes, but Bigelow remembers them as an epiphany. Even back then, he knew he wasn't going to be a scientist. No, yeah, he knew he wasn't going to be a scientist. He was lousy at math, so he resolved. <laughs> I love that they added that in there. So he resolved himself to make as much money as possible in the hopes that he could one day fund his own space program. So he went on to make at least one billion with the budget suites of America, the long-term motel rental chains around the Southwest. I've stayed at a budget suites before. He now runs Bigelow Aerospace, which holds contracts with NASA, and he was a primary contractor for the Department of Defense's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Next is Elon Musk. James, your Elon Musk joke. Yeah, how, why? (laughs) Just why? (laughs) No, no, I'm thinking of how to phrase this. Elon Um, Musk, why? (laughs) Did you hear that Elon Musk got most of the, his uh, extraterrestrial theories from his alien girlfriend? I mean, they broke up, so she's his SpaceX. Oh, that's really good. Thank you. That was really good. I liked that one. Thanks, thanks. I like that one. It has to do with 
Never mind. What do you think was Elon Musk's favorite uh, activity in geometry? Solving for X? Nope. Tessellation. Tesla? Get it? That was a stretch. I'm sorry. Like tessellation. Tessellation, you know? Musk is hell-bent on using his $21 billion to colonize Mars. Mars. Colonize Mars. Colonize. Oh, my gosh. Kamala. Let me try that again. He's going to Kamala Harris the, the heck out of that moon. For Mars. What does that even mean? I don't know. I don't know either. Yikes. Okay. To accompany an old white male there. Aww. <laughs> but to be the first to do it. Oh. <laughs> Um, Elon Musk is hell-bent on using his $21 billion to con- colonize Mars. His company, SpaceX, has been trying desperately to reduce the cost of space travel in the hopes of beginning a million-person con- colonization of Mars. A million people? That does, how does that relate to... If we are not in a simulation, <clears throat> then maybe we are in a lab, and there's just some advanced alien civilization that's just watching how we develop out of curiosity, like mold in a Petri dish. <laughs> We're mold, says Musk. That's some... Oh, my gosh. Musk also named his child numbers. I, I can't even with that. I think his numbers were odd. They weren't even even numbers. But it's... Again. <laughs> Paul Allen. When Congress cut off funding for NASA's hunt for aliens in 93, Allen gave millions to the SETI Institute. The SETI Institute, by the way, stands for... Um, Space Exploration Defense. Yup. <laughs> yeah. Search Space for Exploration Defense dot 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 <laughs> yup institute. <laughs> I mean, it stands for the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. That should be ET Sveti. Extraterrestrial. It should be what? Sveti. Because there's a four there. You know, in, in the way that most of the time we drop prepositions <laughs> but it from anagrams. cooler. <laughs> um... So Allen gave millions to the SETI Institute in, two th- in, after the, in two th- 1999. And then in 2009, the Allen Telescope Array started searching the cosmos. Allen has given an additional $30 million to the project, a sum that brought him a guarantee that if the array detects an extraterrestrial communique, Allen will be the first non-scientist to know. That's cool. That Imagine cool. being like you pay enough that you get to sit in the movie theater as they like you know talk to the alien. That would be so cool. <laughs> we'll like never you, have you thirty million memo. dollars. Maybe they'll just let me because I love them. Maybe them they'll listen to this podcast so and they'll be like, "Man, she had the best ideas. She brought up the best sources <laughs> to talk about our legitimate." Or they're looking at this Pichu dish like, "Oh, this mold is talking." <laughs> She really needs to stop. Okay, so then we have Yuri Milner. Last year, Milner, named after a Russian cosmonaut, announced a plan to send spaceships to Saturn's moon. Um, Wait, Cladius. back up. He's named after a Russian cosmonaut. Yeah. So Milner, clearly Yuri his Milner. upbringing was probably a little bit different than most people's. I kind of feel like it's clear that his parents hated the, the astronomy and the stars. <laughs> and astronauts in general. You get that impression? <laughs> But he announced a plan to send spaceships to Saturn, the Saturn's moon and Cladus in search of alien life. Milner is also funding Breakthrough Listen, a 10-year project to use a telescope in West Virginia to search for messages from intelligent life and break, Breakthrough Starshot in conjunction with Mark Zuckerberg and the late Stephen Hawking. Oh, My favorite human on the planet is the next on the oh, list. Oh, no. Oh, no. I feel like... 
Just because people are funding things doesn't mean it exists. Yeah, that seems like two right? reasons have been about there's lots of money. Like Elon is people. like, Elon wants to make a colony, so we might just be mold on a Petri dish. Yeah, that was And then that the was other one was, we have this guy named after a cosmonaut who's put his entire life's worth into this research. So clearly so it must there's be something some, There must be something there. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like these people who have a lot of money and resources are interested in space. And because we know, because of capitalism, the only thing that you get to know anything is because of the power that comes with having money. That if they are this interested in intelligent life, the likelihood of them knowing something that the general population who doesn't have the resources... Or, even more capitalistically, (laughs) they know that the potential intrigue sells. Mm. Also, As is evidence here, we're devoting... Two episodes what if, of our. I mean, we're, we're not getting money. Free. We're not getting <laughs> money. What if the list of famous people included Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos, his company Blue Origin, no way, competing what? with Elon Musk's SpaceX to launch reusable rockets and comically rich tourists into space, while Musk played himself in a cameo. <laughs> I forgot he did that in Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Bezos appeared as an alien Starfleet official in 2016 Star Trek Beyond. Didn't really. It was not a speaking role. They oh. delineate that here. <laughs> I like how even this article doesn't like Jeff Bezos. And then he goes, this is a quote, why do I feel so much like Sojourney Weaver? Bezos said last March as he piloted a giant manned robot at Amazon's Mars conference. Anyway. It, her name is Sigourney Weaver. Ah, yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Clearly I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Our last person on this list is Franklin Antonio. I've actually never heard of him. I haven't heard of anyone other than Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Who am I kidding? Oh, I did know about Robert Big- Bigelow, though, because... Anyway, that's, I did know of him. Antonio co-founded Qualcomm, a mobile tech company in the mid-'80s. He's also the company's chief scientist and has given millions to SETI research. Last year, Antonio gave $30 million to the University of California, San Diego's School of Engineering and followed that donation up with a contribution to Roy Moore's failed Senate campaign. Oh, dang. Anyway. Her name is Sigourney Weaver. Ah, Sigourney Weaver. Clearly, I'm a huge fan. (laughs) And with that, we'll take a break. Welcome to Fun Facts with Abigail. Did you know that the world's quietest room is located at Microsoft's headquarters in Washington State? As soon as one enters the room, one immediately feels a strange and unique sensation, which is hard to describe. Handraj Gopal, a speech and hearing scientist and the principal designer of the anechoic chamber at Microsoft, told CNN, Most people find the absence of sound deafening. They feel a sense of fullness in the ears or some ringing. Very faint sounds become clearly audible because the ambient noise is exceptionally low. When you turn your head, you can hear that motion. You can hear yourself breathing, and it sounds somewhat loud. This has been Fun Facts with Abigail. Catch you next time.
Welcome back. Before the break, we were just talk, going through um, two more reasons, reason number six and reason number seven. We are now on reason number eight. Some prominent military and government folks are very interested in intelligent life as well. Um, the, what? <laughs> Still like, okay, never mind. They're just interested. So there's this just is- no, there's never going to be, ep- there's never evidence it's just interesting. It's either drawn by some high guy and from Colorado or it's like some <laughs> rich person invested money. These are a little bit more evidentiary. I can even just see in the first one because these are high prominent like so like for example this first person Nick Pope he goes um, I know that there are people who watch our skies to protect sleeping masses Britain Brit or know that there are people who watch our skies to protect the sleeping masses. Britain's former chief UFO investigator warns in his memoir, but also know that not all potential intruders in our airspace have two wings of a fuselage and a tail and not all show up on our radar. Pope's ominous counsel follows the time he spent in the nineties inspecting thousands of paranormal incidents from crop circles to purported bedside abductions. He took that job assert, uh, he took that job certain this kind of stuff only happened to weirdos, but unexplainable sightings soon convinced him that there was a war going on with aliens. Worse, the UK defense ministry cut his old UFOs desk funding in 2009. So what is ever, whatever's out there could attack at any time. <laughs> Pope believes or Pope believes that it could attack at any time. Earthling's diminished odds have got have gotten him a bit more fatalistic lately too. After scientists suggested that Oumuamua, the bizarre striped asteroid that first that's the first interstellar object to pass through the solar system, might have been a spaceship, he argued in December that we probably wouldn't survive an alien invasion anyway because if they find us, it's clear who has the upper hand. And then, like this list goes on, full of like defense ministers. Uh, so Can- Paul Heller, Canada's defense minister during the Cold War, who's now 94, believes that at least 80 species of aliens have been visited Earth for millennia. Where did he pull that number from? 80? I don't know where he got 80 from. See, like, people can be elected to a ministerial position and be have nothing about it and then be put as a defense minister. Case in point, anyone who has been hired by the president doesn't necessarily have to have qualifications to be See? on his chief of staff. Same with Canadian yeah, prime minister and his true. ministerial staff. That's true. So what is his credence here to say 80, 80 plus? I don't know. I don't know what his credence is. So there's a lot of names. I'm just going to read, because this is a lot of paragraphs too with all of these things. I'm just going to read through the names and then we're going to get to number nine. <laughs> so there's Philip Corso, who was part of the military as an army intelligence captain. There's Barry Goldwater, who was one of the, um, who was in the White House. I don't know. It doesn't say Wait, specifically. Wait, Barry Goldwater, wasn't he with the Nixon He also did the Project Blue Book, which is the one where the government has a whole bunch of top secret UFO files. That sounds like Nixon. I don't know. Maybe it I'm was in '64. Oh, okay. Um, but he had the the the. That's where they had all the the alien stuff in the blue book. And then cool. there's Roscoe Hillencoder, who was the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's a great name. Hillencoder. Hillencoder. Um, he was the first CIA a CIA director. Um, and then there is Dennis Kushnich, who was the 2008 presidential campaign. Or his, yeah, he ran for president, but I oh, guess yeah. that doesn't make him an expert. I suppose running for president doesn't have to make you smart or anything. <laughs> John Podesta. I don't even understand how to interpret that. <laughs> is that a jab at Trump? Oh, a jab at every Or an endorsement ever? of Trump. It's <laughs> a so jab just, at all presidents. Just vague enough. To, to not get in trouble. 
It's like a vague statement about a vague president. That sounds like that sounds like your bumper sticker on your car. It's just just vague enough to not get in trouble. <laughs> um, and then there's John Podesta, who he he was. It doesn't say here what he did, but he was working <laughs> under he was working under a couple of different presidents to trying to push to get the NASA to release UFO documents to journalists. Um, who were, they stopped him. They said they wouldn't do that. And yeah. then there's Pavel and Marina Popovich. Um, and Pavel was a world-renowned cosmonaut. And then she was a, one of the Soviet Union's most celebrated female pilots. And those are, that's the list of people. So number nine, I, this is the title of number nine. <laughs> Bracket. And this genius thinks he can talk to them. Bracket. In January, <laughs> Stephen Wolf. Wolf Ram, a computer scientist, philosopher, the study, uh, the author of a universal programming language. Oh, wait, did you say he's a computer scientist and a philosopher? Not Andy, a computer scientist, philosopher, a computer scientist, philosopher, no commas. I'd like no to say that I consider that more valid a career than, than a, a futurist. futurist. <laughs> <laughs> Future futurist, oh. computer scientist, philosopher. Oh, Many good job opportunities out there. Sounds like a March Madness pairing. (laughs) Who would win? So he was the author of a universal programming language that informed the alien communication around the movie Arrival. So he's also a little bit of a futurist. And he wrote an exceedingly long... Ah, Further validating his credentials, (laughs) I see. He wrote an exceedingly long blog post about how to best communicate with aliens. Do you put a tinfoil hat on your head? How do you even write that? You put a tinfoil hat. First thing. First things first. Got a Mel Gibson this. Tell me you've seen that movie. Have you all seen it? I what? feel like, oh, whatever. <laughs> James is just writing by sci-fi, aliens. basically. <laughs> so here's her. here's his little blip of how to do it. Yeah. Um, I think the main difficulty is the definitional one. You want to talk? You talk about alien life, and you talk about intelligence. What are those things abstractly? We know that the science, the specific example that we have has historically been opposed to life on Earth, human intelligence. The question is, when you generalize away from that, what do you get to? One of the things that I'm fond of quoting is the statement, the weather has a mind of its own. What does this mean? What is the abstract kind of thing that it that's like the mind? It's the ability to do sophisticated computation. That's something that exists in the weather, just as it exists in our brains, just as it exists in a lot of living systems. And then what's different between the, <laughs> the weather and its sort of mind-like thing in our human... <laughs> Guys, I can't. And our human intelligence, the fundamental answer to that is our human intelligence has has its particularly cultural, civilizational history, and the weather doesn't. Can I just say, that sounds like a really interesting nonsense. <laughs> like, like I feel like there's, there's probably a job out there in NSA or in, the, like, Whatever the British National Intelligence Q R Q H Q, I forget what their their FBI is called or whatever it is. Is it an MI eight? Oh yeah, whatever whatever the defense or is, the secret defense for each organization for each country. I I bet you there's a group that their whole job is try to make nonsense connections until Sorry, one of MI them lights six. fire. MI six. <laughs> like, MI six. So that's like, their secret. That's their secret service. Yeah. So like, I bet you he was like, you know, what does the weather have to do with the mind? He was like, oh, there it is. And he just wrote it down. And that's computer scientist philosophy. That's probably what that is. I do love that. I do love that idea. 
Just randomly make connections till something sticks. Something makes sparks. Throwing stuff against the wall. Like a spaghetti noodle. Like a spaghetti trying to decide noodle. if it's cooked. I just usually just eat it. What? I, I take half of it, eat it, and I throw the other half at the wall. No. Wow. Really? You throw it at the wall? Yeah, that's how you know it's cooked. Disgusting. That's literally what you she do. She doesn't need it after she sticks to the wall, right? Do you clean no. the wall? Yeah, I mean, you just pull it off. It doesn't leave anything there. Are you serious? You throw guys, a noodle starch. at the wall? Guys, mom, I, I'm just saying these people think I'm crazy. You trained me to do this, so you have to defend no, yourself no, no. on I this. I know that throwing spaghetti at a wall is a way that you could test if yeah. pasta is done. I acknowledge that's an actual thing. Yeah. But you so don't I'm wipe like a your one. wall down afterwards? Why would I wipe my because wall down? Because of starchy water left over by the pasta. It's this much, a tiny little string but water every on the wall. time that you cook pasta? How often am I cooking pasta I that every time I need to I can think of at least 13. Reasons throwing noodles at a wall doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Sorry, mom. There's one that makes it make sense. Really? It's to tell if it's cooked. Number 10. There's there so have much been trouble. <laughs> okay. Fine. There have been enough well known encounters to fill encyclopedias. Oh, what? There's wait, a- wait, wait, wait. That's a bold statement. Like, we're told in John that Jesus did enough that it could fill the world with books of his actions. Like, that's pretty bold to be like, there are enough documented encounters to fill encyclopedias. That's why they didn't specify which encyclopedia specifically. Like Wikipedia? Like Investopedia? Or the encyclopedia of most interesting children-shaped toys. Children-shaped toys? Or toy-shaped children. Children? <laughs> children, to- children's toys. Can you imagine a child that's shaped like a ball? <laughs> it's kind of horrifying, actually. I don't want to. It's called bullying, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> my okay. Side note: My ninth graders, or a couple of them, are reading *Lord of the Flies* right now for lit circle books. Such a good book. And they keep getting hung up on Piggy. One of the characters named Piggy that he's described as just like slightly overweight in the story. And they keep drawing him like a bowling ball whenever they have to like mm-hmm. illustrate what happened in the chapter. And I'm like, children, he's just a little bigger for his age. He is not a blueberry. He's not like Augustus Gloop whenever everything goes down in the chocolate factory. <laughs> like, give him hips. <laughs> give, he, the man deserves hips. <laughs> He deserves that hourglass shape. (laughs) He's just curvy. (laughs) I felt some resentment come out just now. (laughs) No resentment, none. And with that, we'll take a quick break. listeners we want to hear from you please send us any questions you may have regarding any of our episodes or suggestions for future topics you can reach out to us on our social media at the inconclusive podcast or email us at the inconclusive podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening Welcome back from the break. We had just started in on number 10, which was the documented cases, the well-documented cases. So the first one that they talk about in this article is Barney and Betty Hill's abduction. And they claim that in 1961, bright lights swooped over their car on a New Hampshire side road. And when they woke up a few hours later, the car had been magnetized with regressive hypnosis. Both were able to recall being abducted and probed by little gray men, which soon became the de facto alien description. The Hills, little gray men. Little gray men. Nice. 
How did they know they were men? That's my question. Because they had like a human-esque shape, right? So how did they know it was male? Instead of female. Maybe it was just Were there certain defining features? Sexist. (laughs) Sexist alien abductees. There could have been a female alien in there. Could have been. I'm sure the defining features would be different in alien life. What year year was That's what I imagine. Yeah, I imagine it's it's different too. 61, 1961. Okay. The Hills captors were interestingly very similar to um, the Selenites, the five-foot moon inhabitants that H.G. Wells invented for the Mm -hmm. first men in the moon. Betty astonished the authorities when she began drawing a map of the constellation the creatures claimed to be from. Initially, it looked like nonsense until a few scientists noticed it, its resemblance to the Zeta Reticula, Reticuli a system inside the constellation Reticulum, largely unknown in that year. Wait, why would she have known? Like, it's not like every time you get abducted, they're like, here's our map. Like, why would she have known that? At I don't think it happens every it time, but sometimes when people are abducted, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. They have the exact coordinates of the, where no, their spaceship they're like, is flown. No, because they're like, let us show you our home. And then there's like a map. What kind of accent was that? And, I don't an know. Little gray one. men one. I don't know. Here, you do an alien accent. Candace? <laughs> That's what I did. Indistinguishable. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, the, it was a little known constellation and that, that the year that they had been abducted. So it's not like they would have known it. Um, their case generated widespread publicity, mostly because they were a mixed race couple in the sixties and turned into the flagship example of a close encounter, though not until years after the fact skeptics argued the delayed report is the sign that it's a hoax. I feel like the delayed report is a sign that it's a hoax. <laughs> the, the hype around their case actually culminated in the movie, the um, UFO incident, which is a made for TV movie, star, movie star, starring James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons. Oh, James then Earl Jones. Another one that we oh. have on here is the Foo Fighters in the middle of World War II. They're making took rock and mis- roll and then they transitioned to just looking at rocks. You know, we'll find out. Things took a mysterious turn for Air Force pilots f- flying overnight missions. They reported seeing lights chasing their aircrafts. The number varied. Sometimes it was one, other times ten, and so did the colors, red, orange, and green. But the unidentified objects shared in common was that they moved very fast, up to 200 miles per hour, yet could dart on a dime. These pilots among the world's best admitted that the objects generally flew circles around them. Their lore grew among the squadrons. In 1944, a crew flying alone uh, or along the Rhine in Germany described seeing eight to ten bright orange lights whiz by at high speeds. Neither ground control nor their own planes caught anything on radar and when one pilot toward, toward, turned towards the light, they reportedly disappeared. They called their mysterious air companions Foo Fighters, an inside joke based on the phrase the comic book character Smokey Stover used to declare, where there's Foo, there's fire. The term flying saucer hadn't caught on yet or else it would have sufficed. Some witnesses assume that they were tracer fire reflections from ice crystals or high-tech weaponry developed by the Nazis, while the government had a boring explanation, as Mm -hmm. always. They were electrostatic, similar to St. Elmo's fire, or electric magnetic phenomena, although which one and where from were never defined. That's a really interesting, like perception of being in the sky on record for the first time or I guess in the first like few decades of man-made flight yeah and for them to like talk about seeing weird things and to call 
like say Foo Fires of like, well, there's food, there's fires. I think it's really cool. It's interesting. It Even is if interesting. It's a farce, it still is interesting. It's definitely not a farce, but it is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I've loved all of the time, and this article isn't really going into it, but but is that every time I feel like that I I spend any time listening to about aliens or whatever, you always hear of it happening. You know, most of the time we hear what happens in America, but every now and again you get these glimpses of it happening to other people in other countries. Mm-hmm. And for me, I find that usually the most interesting too, to be like, it's not just people in Utah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like or, or, or in New Mexico, right? Roswell, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's people all over the world who have these same kind of things. Anyway, so number 11 and continuing right up to the present day, mm-hmm. new encounters happen all the time, even to famous people. <laughs> Can't with that. <laughs> people, people whose words would never be like used to make money. Never. Never. That's, Not yeah. once. There's, there's no, there's no motivation, you know, for them to speak up about the truth. Never. So then number 11 is just some pictures of some UFOs. What? Yeah. Several of them. Can you from, share? Yeah. I mean, masses? sorry, masses. You don't get to see them, but we're going to see and judge them for or you. Maybe you can, we can link the article. We'll link the article in the episode description. Yeah. So readers or listeners, you can go and read it. The truth is out there. <laughs> so here's When I hear one. that, I think of up and just think adventure is out there. Ooh. Oh. That Dude, looks that one like, looks like a flying cat. That looks like a <laughs> witch on a witch's fire. <laughs> oh. That one? Oh, that just looks like. Bro, a that's cool some thing weird cloud sky. formation. Yeah, that just looks like a weird cool thing in the sky. All right. Well. Why don't they fly hmm. in the day? That, this, that one is in the day. this one is flying in the day. This one is flying in the day. Definitely not. It's invisible. Okay. <laughs> that's the light okay. reflecting off it. You can see okay. it's bending there. I mean, it's a good tactic if aliens are real and you want to be subtle about your appearance. Nighttime's not a bad time. Yeah, but nighttime isn't a bad is a bad time as well because you can't see. So they gotta um, have some good technology. They, humans can't see. Yeah. If aliens are real, they can probably see. The little gray men probably have some way of seeing through the dark mm. or seeing through things. What if they're glow in the dark? What if they're green? Because during the daytime they got a charge, and at night they go. Then maybe green. you should write a book they about how they're glowing. Canvas. I love the idea of photosynthesizing <laughs> aliens. Photosynthesis. And they just like sit on the ground and they breathe I in and out. I think that if aliens photosynthesized, they would probably be less aggressive than humans. Mm. We because would probably enslave them to use oh, for power. So it makes me so sad because I imagine that a, an alien that survived off of photosynthesis would be like sweet and cuddly, Super like an chill. intelligent plant, mm. right? Where I am Groot. Yeah, kind of, maybe, but not, but like, you know, I'm also imagining little green man, right? Like, and they're just like with the big eyes and they like blink at you like a seal (laughs) (laughs) and they're like, hi, (laughs) (laughs) like a seal. Like, I just need water in a windowsill and I can be your friend. And then I think of humans like, like hurting them and it kind of makes me sad. Mm. Number 12. <laughs> you would, sorry, to be clear, you would keep a potted alien on your windowsill? Not potted. Oh. <laughs> Not potted. The pot is its free, bed. It's a free-range alien. It's oh. free-range, but it sleeps in the pot. And it know? doesn't even sleep in the pot. It has a little, pot. It has a little bed. One of those little IKEA toy beds. Oh, like it a little Because I'm imagining it's a small no. alien, like the size of my water bottle. Mm. Like, I'm not thinking human size, although, because I feel like a photosynthesis. No, I would still be. Photosynthesizing human-sized alien, you wouldn't be a little bit freaked out by? Or wigged out at least a little? <laughs> like imagine imagine as like a grumpy teenager in the back room going mom go away I'm photosynthesizing 
okay. <laughs> Number 12. We even have some pretty developed theories as to why we haven't heard from extraterrestrials yet. We oh, covered, there's that article. We covered... Nine reasons why we haven't heard from them. Yep, we covered that last okay, season. Okay, so 13, so, right? What's the 13th reason? So we're going to skip it. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll, I'll quick read the headlines of them all. Aliens are all dead. We talked about that. Yeah. Aliens are all sleeping. We didn't talk about that. Basically, they're just hibernating. Aliens are hiding. We talked about that. Aliens are still evolving. We talked about that. Um, bacterial life. Um, but then that sparks, of course, the conversation as Christians. Do we believe that intelligent life evolves from non-intelligent life? People, different people believe different things. Um, and then humans haven't spent enough time looking, which we've talked about that too. And the aliens are already here, which is the octopus theory. Mm. Okay, so number 13. Are you ready? I'm so excited. <laughs> to be done, right? Done. Sure. Number 13. And in the meantime, aliens can be whatever we want them to be. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Freaking word. <laughs> I have some quotes. Dang it. <laughs> I got so excited to hear a song. I need to stop having high hopes for these lists that you bring. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, Actually, maybe Abigail will redeem herself with this new list. There's four more <laughs> items. It's 13 instead of nine. But then we end off with aliens or whatever you want them to be. Oh, okay. What a postmodern age. <laughs> <laughs> I th- for the record, I think these lists are wonderful. These lists are everything, I think. <laughs> um, here we go. It didn't. Uh, so when we think, of, why do we think of aliens? They all look the same. Three feet tall, uh, gray or green with big black eyes. It didn't used to be that way. UFO narratives became much more popular in the 50s and 60s. And during that era, the descriptions of the aliens would be almost human-like in form. If you see drawings of some of the so-called contact contactees made the aliens almost look like swedish people very <laughs> <laughs> the swedes that's why you're getting them uh, getting an ikea bed, bed. that's like an ikea bed you're actually the, what if you have an implant in your brain that the alien put there when you were sleeping one night that says get me a bed at my favorite spot and then you go to ikea <laughs> it's the favorite spot um Attractive blonde types with shining eyes. The abductee narrative really took over uh, pop culture in the 70s and 80s. And after that, there's this homogenization of the public perception because all the stories in TV and movies about abductions. Um, We're the people who are doing the projecting here, right? Much the same way people do with God, really. In what sense does it make for a supernatural entity? Ooh, I take issue with that. Comparing God depictions with alien depictions? That's saying that God exists only as... No, 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 no. He's saying the way that we view God, right? Like oh, blonde, oh, blue-eyed Jesus see, or whatever oh, is the way like we project who it is. But so, so that would be so that would be G- the idea of Jesus, which who was a real man who was not blonde with blue eyes. He was for he sure. He was for sure Middle, Middle Eastern. Eastern. At absolutely. So, Candace, how do you feel about that? I just think Middle Eastern people are generally beautiful. Carry on. I also think Middle Eastern people are generally Thank beautiful. It's a targeted comment, James. <laughs> Um, so then he, what he's talking about here is the old man in the sky, yeah. right? Like God is a supernatural being. So why are we putting him into like our concept of, of hu- they say humanoid anthro- anthropomorphic. Yeah. That's probably just because we're told we're made in the image of God. And we were like, huh, if I am a white man with a long beard, I'm the only one who's allowed to paint. I'm going to make a painting that looks like me. <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, yeah, so basically the idea of since we don't know what aliens look like, we can imagine them however we want. Ooh, on that note, um, 
Pastor Andrew, the pastor at my church, he came and talked to our high school last week, and he shared a sermon he gave over the summer about being made in the image of God. Oh. And his he made this point that I, I had forgotten about that he made in the sermon before that was... Um, why do people revere statues? Like, why do you, when you go to the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., or you go to the um, memorial for Chiang Kai-shek in Taipei, if you threw an egg at it, then the guards would probably come at you and put you into a holding cell for a day at least and, and punish you for some reason. And it's because, like, we, we know, like, when people go to temples here in Taiwan, they know that the god isn't in the wooden statue figurine. It's not like if you went up to them and said, hey, you know, that's not actually this particular god, right? They wouldn't be like, oh, thank you for telling me. I never would have burned the incense before. It, they know that. It's a representation of that being. It's mm -hmm. like the essence of that being. So... uh he he made this point of like if we're made in God's image, then we are His representation on Earth, and so like we deserve respect with each other because in the same way that other people have a statue that represents the best of that person, mm -hmm. then we should be give, looking at each other with the same sort of reverence, which I thought was a really interesting way of talking about being made in the image of God. I like that. Yeah. On that note, aliens are real. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, you've reached inconclusive end of the inconclusive podcast. Sharing is caring. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the inconclusive podcast. Talk to you next time.